Coming to you live from the JRE Tobacco Aladino Mobile Studios, it's the Cigar Pulpit. Hello everybody and welcome to another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm the Bishop of the Burn and with me today we have the Cigar Authority himself. We have Mr. Dave Garofalo. How you doing, Dave? Hello, hello. Very good, very good. I have a few things throughout this episode to make you feel like home. I want you to feel comfortable and relaxed with me. So we're going to start this off with a little cowbell Ah, action. There we go. We got the cowbell. And to make you you feel nice, I'm going to sit over here. Is that good? That's good. There you go. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He he keeps sitting back. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, he keeps sitting back because he wants to look slim for the camera, but I, I, yeah. don't, I don't have the heart to tell him. It's not going to work that. for me either. No, I was going to say, I don't have either. the heart to tell him it doesn't work. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, the fir- uh, first things first, let's go ahead and uh, get our cigars going here. So I am smoking Beautiful. because um, I want to talk to you about this. I am smoking the Hammer and Sickle tradition siri there the okay. comes in the red box i believe that was the natural correct yes all right so that, uh, that's the natural and the original uh first first cigar they came out with excellent and uh, and, uh because you're in the jre mobile studios uh <laughs> i'm gonna smoke a cigar they make uh but they make it for me and it's a abuelo because i became a grandfather and uh i had the cigar made for them, it's sold through United Cigar, but this is a Buelo, which is used in their Corojo uh, tobacco throughout, except the wrapper. And it's uh, a fam- tried to tried to get them to use the wrapper, but uh, <laughs> couldn't pull that one off. It's a fantastic cigar. I remember um, you sent out a sample of it before it was released in your care package. Yes. And I tried it for the first time there, and I was like, ooh, I really like this. And then when you actually came out with it, I know I've bought it a couple times. They make sensational cigars. Uh, the Aroa uh, family, uh, Julio Aroa, uh, he's been making cigars from me since um, the early 90s. Uh, we had cigars made from him through uh, many years. And uh, great family and uh, great tobacco. They grow great farmer, uh, number one, but great cigars all in all. For sure. Well, it's time that I cut this cigar, and the official cutting is brought to you by Dan the Man Ponder over there at Riverman Cigar Company. And speaking of Abuelo, I know that uh, Riverman has uh, talked with uh, Oliver Nouveau, and uh, hopefully, I think the plan is here very shortly to be bringing in the United Cigars. So I'll have a uh, retail location within uh, a short drive that I can go and pick myself up some Abuelos. Good, good. Looking forward to it. Dan's a good man. Thank you, Dan, uh, for considering giving it a shot in the air. I think you'll be happy with it. They, it certainly, we're not making the cigars, but uh, you, you know the Aroas are making uh, well, quality stuff. And he's a big proponent of JRE Tobacco and Aladino. He was yeah. uh, the first shop here in St. Louis to carry Aladino and and uh, was the first one in, in a fairly large radius, from what he tells me. So I know, I know he's big with uh, – Husto and Julio and all the uh, he was actually down at uh, the farm in Honduras in February of 2020, right before uh, COVID uh, hit and everything. So he got to sit and chat with uh, Julio for quite a while. So, but uh, and was it was wasn't it the end the man from Rivermans that cut the S chip tax and actually wrote, <laughs> wrote that, no, that no. wasn't him. 
that, no, that wasn't him. Okay. That, that's your yeah. show. No, Dan's the one <laughs> okay. like you. Well, Dan is in a similar but probably slightly different because you're up there in New Hampshire where you guys don't have the tobacco tax, correct? No, we don't. Yeah. No, we don't. Whereas Missouri, Dan gets to pay them a check uh, for 10% of everything he brings into the shop the following month, whether he sells it or not. And I know some. Yep, and I and I and some people would say, well, ten percent isn't bad. It's horrible. It's horrible. I notice, Pete, there's some states that are even worse. But yeah. take, take nothing away. It's ten percent on his purchase price, whether he sells it or not. So just add ten percent onto everything. Let me tell you something. A retailer doesn't net ten percent. At the end of it, the retailer does not net ten percent. But yet the government, for doing nothing, gets Dan to hand him over. 10%. They've done nothing for it and uh, they get 10%. It's disgusting. Precisely. Let, let me get off Let me get off the soapbox. Well, that's okay. That's okay. No. We'll circle back yeah. to the soapbox. But no, but uh, guys, that's why it's important to support your brick and mortars. So make sure if you don't have a brick and mortar near you, you can make Dan your brick and mortar by giving him a call at Riverman Cigar Company. He does mail order. You can get singles, boxes, accessories, all kinds of fun stuff at Riverman Cigar Company. And with that, I will go ahead and cut my cigar. So I don't have the studio audience chipping in to uh, make the cut noise real big. So, you know, I yeah, have, yeah. I have yeah. cut envy. So <laughs> we had a we had a beautiful day in New Hampshire this Saturday, and uh, you know, one or two people turned out. That was it. We, it was mm. like the old days. We were by ourselves, uh, which was just good good sometimes. But we can get ourselves in trouble, and maybe we'll talk a little about that uh, <laughs> that show because you were part of that show. I want to talk uh, about that say, show. Yeah. Saving the day, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to talk about that show, but first, um, I'm going to light up my cigar here because I am dying to get a cigar, and I had only one. I actually smoked this exact cigar earlier today while I was driving around delivering my newspapers all over the place. So, all right, today. So uh, today's delivery day for mm-hmm. you. And to answer okay. a question. I'm- that you brought up on the show, Jeff and I both own newspapers, but um, we're not in competition. He is about an hour and a half south of me geographically, so it's kind of nice. We get to compare notes and talk about you know the industry and kind of we have similar issues. But um, I'm in a much more I'm I'm maybe ten to twelve minutes from St. Louis, just east of St. Louis. And he's more an hour and a half, like, southeast from St. Louis. So what's interesting is I run into a lot of people that use Facebook and social media and everything to do all their advertising. And then I have to try and fight them to try and convince them that they should also use me. Whereas Jeff, I mean, he's kind of the only game in town. So it's kind of nice for him. But uh, anyway. You have competition. It's not Jeff. I do have competition that's not Jeff, but my competition, to be honest, is more, like I said, Facebook and, you know, the social media presences. Because everybody, okay. everybody makes their own page and, you know, they're on there like, hey, this house is on fire. And and the thing is, like, people don't understand that information needs to be vetted and checked and everything like that. And it, it, there's a lot to it. So, Well, it, sh- it should be, but it seems like a lost art. Um, I'll tell you, you know, we have a studio uh, where we broadcast our podcast from, yep. Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And one of our podcasters, because there's a whole bunch of people that do their shows during the week there. Yeah. And one of them came to me years ago and said, uh, I have a newspaper. 
I wonder if you'd advertise in, in my local newspaper. Uh, they're in a different state, which is Massachusetts, but we're on the border. So it's, it's a different state, but it's right next door. Yeah. And, um, I said, sure, I'll give you an ad, but, uh, let me show you something. And I took him upstairs, which is right up the top of the stairs from the store. And he goes, Oh my God, what's this? I said, this is your newspaper in the future. And, uh, I'll, I'll explain that to you deeper when, uh, cause I know you're coming up to see us in September. Which I am. I'm very excited about. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I but, think but I show am. it to you. I am definitely because excited. Maybe, maybe we can take your newspaper to the next level, which is what I did for his newspaper because he still does his newspaper, but he actually does a podcast about the local news at the same time. He started off doing national, but when he niched down to his local territory, all of a sudden, both of them got very popular and good. So again, I'm, I'm breaking off, but listen, I'm going to, I'm going to take Gator's spot and, and go down a different direction and you, you drag me back in. Right? No, but that you actually, you bring up a valid point, which is something why, you know, a lot of people will talk to me. They're like, you own a newspaper, like, isn't that a dying industry and everything? And, you know, look, it's a struggle, but uh, we cover, you know, student of the month and the high school sports and the city council meetings and stuff you can't Google, you know, very easily. I mean, it's not stuff that's available because the bigger places, they're concentrating on the bigger news. And so, you know, there's a niche for the little little guys like me. And so, yeah. yeah and been... and with this is, and here we are talking about cigars, premium cigars. It's a niche too. I mean, it's one out of a thousand people do it. So Precisely. niche, niche, niches and podcasts, they can work together. I did a podcast, uh, started 12 years ago because actually the newspapers wouldn't accept my advertising. Wow. Uh, and, oh, and trust that, me. It we'll, was up to them. We'll in, take every dollar these days. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, realistically, if Roxy's wanted to come down and advertise with me, I'm probably not going to say no, but you know. Yeah, it's either here or there. So um, before we get into, um, I, I have a, I have notes. I actually have show notes this time because I, I had had topics that I wanted to touch on. Um, let's talk about the hammer and sickle here. So I'm getting a very earthy and kind of like kind of grassy hay kind of component like right off the beginning here. Um, but uh, you you've been put in a very unique position with hammer and sickle. Can we talk about that and then kind of where things are yeah, at with so, that? So, and, and I'm hoping that you're not going to ask me too much, too much information about hammer and sickle because uh, I'm a, I'm a retailer who carried hammer and sickle, happened to like the hammer and sickle, uh, made that our cigar of the year. My God, 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, cigar aficionado in their top 25 that year made it number 11. And uh, there they were off and rolling. And uh, they were a local company, meaning they, uh, they were based out of Massachusetts. And again, we're in New Hampshire in the Massachusetts border. And uh, a man named Eric Hansen owned a company called Clin, K-I-L-N. And Clin was into a lot of different things, uh, one of which was vodka, a big part of their business, which the vodka brand was called Hammer and Sickle. So... He would come by to pick up cigars, and um, he loved Davidoff cigars and would buy them all the time. And, you know, as the weirdest thing of being in retail where I say thank you to somebody that comes in and spends money, he's, he's buying a 
$12 box of Davidoff. And I would say, thank you. And they'd say, oh, hold on a second. They'd go into the car and bring me back a bottle of vodka and say, here, this is for you. Thank you. And I go, no, thank you. This yeah. is, you. You don't spend your money with me and then give me a present. I have to give you the present. This is how it works. And just a nice, nice man. And um, as time went on, he, he loved cigars. And he said, I'd like to uh, make a brand within uh, Clint Cigars, Clint, uh, and a cigar brand. And uh, can you help me with that? And I said, sure. Um, again, you're talking about a, a big company, you know, much bigger than a small cigar company. Uh, being in the liquor industry, they had a wine, they had a rum, they had all different different things. And he wanted something to pair with vodka. So who should I go to? And I said, well, there's only one choice. The only thing you ever buy is Davidoff. So you should have Davidoff make the cigar for you. He said, I put a call in, I couldn't get anywhere. And I said, well, you know, this is a very tight industry and I, I can hook you up uh, and make it happen. And I did. And uh, they were off and rolling. Um, they made their cigars in, in glass boxes at the time, marble boxes, um, leather, anything but wood. <laughs> and um, I would see, you know, the problem with, with something like that is the box of cigars weighed 20 pounds. Mm. And you got to ship them from Dominican Republic to the United States. Then you got to ship them from, from Miami down to Massachusetts in this case. Then the retailer orders them, and you have to ship them there. And you're talking about a 20-pound box that's uh, going on vacation around the yeah. around the world. And and some of these little mistakes that they made. Well, an, another thing terrible that happened is at, at at a young age in his 40s, Eric Hansen passed away. And um, I jumped into them and said, "Anything I can do to help?" As a matter of fact, um, the guy working uh, as his right hand uh, worked for me for about six or seven years before he got his job at Hammer and Sickle. So I said, hey, whatever I can do to help you. And he goes, you know, we want to change the packaging into wood. We want to do this, we want to do that. So uh, I, I uh, worked with them to the, to the best I could to help them. And uh, everything seemed to go be going really, really good because he had to do it through the COVID thing. And then uh, many trips to the Dominican Republic and started working on new brands, new lines, uh, and actually with the thought process of changing the hammer and sickle, you know, maybe get into a, a rebranding thing of it because they would hear it even before the, the um, Ukraine thing happened. Yeah. They'd hear it from some people. So uh, all of a sudden, Ukraine gets uh, invaded by Russia and the governor, which I'll actually I have a, a meeting with the governor of Mass of New Hampshire tomorrow. Oh, wow. Uh, but he he went on um, the news, uh, and this was on a Saturday, and he was at the liquor stores. Now, the liquor stores in New Hampshire are state liquor stores. And there he is in a state liquor store taking the hammer and sickle vodka off the shelf and putting it in a cart as he's being interviewed, like he's the guy uh, unloading the, the, the uh, vodka off the shelves, right? But here's the uh, photo op. Yeah. And a nice guy, and I and I like him very much, Sununu. But here's what he was doing and putting it in the cart and saying, we're getting rid of all uh, Russian products. Without realizing it wasn't a Russian product. Yeah. So uh, I hear from them, that was on Saturday. On Sunday, I get a call at home from them. And they said, any chance we can meet with you on Monday morning? And I said, sure. 
what's going on? And they said, you didn't see it. And I said, yeah, I saw it. I said, really, that shouldn't affect the cigars at all, right? And they said, we're already getting retailers calling and saying, we want to return the product. Oh, man. I said, oh, boy. I said, all right, I'll see you Monday morning. So I started thinking, what's, what's the way out of this thing? What, what can happen? And I came up with this burn the band concept of, yes, the cigars are made in the Dominican Republic by Americans. There's nobody in the whole company from Russia at all. has nothing to do with Russia. It's, even the symbol, which is hammer and sickle, is not the communist symbol of it. It's the hammer and sickle of the agriculture and industrial anyway. But, you know, you'd have to uh, keep explaining the story to people. Yeah. And I said, we'll do this burn the band campaign. And I made a little video of me. Hi, this is Dave from Two Guys Smoke Shop. And we carry hammer and sickle. And, you know, we stand for Ukraine, even though these people have nothing to do with Russia. But I got the answer. I take the band off and I let it on fire. I use the burning band to light my cigar. And I showed him this video. And I said, if you get some key retailers across the country to do it, it turns into something. And you start the rebranding thing at that point. And they said, wow, this is very interesting what you're saying. We're going to think about it and we're going to get back to you. By Thursday, they got back to me. Long answer to your question. And they said, we're going to dissolve the company. Uh, and I said, oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, the, the company started in 2002 and 20 years. And it goes down because Russia invades Ukraine and they lose their liquor company, uh, lifestyle business, uh, company, including the cigar company, all of it. I said, you don't have to do this. Um, and they said, no, that's what we've decided to do. I couldn't believe it. You're talking, this is a, a big company to go down. And yeah. the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, what can I do? And they said, um, well, that's why we're here. And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? And they said, uh, why don't you buy it? And I said, oh. <laughs> you know, I said, so what you're asking of me is for me to give you the money, and now I buy the problem from you. Now it's my. I was going to say, now, said, well, basically, now you're paying money for a business that's you know toxic for reasons that it doesn't even control. Right. Yeah. So I said, uh, boy, you got this one. I need the weekend to think about. <laughs> uh, so get me all the data and information you can possibly get me, and let me see what can happen. And the good news was they had a warehouse in New Hampshire, okay. uh, Hudson, New Hampshire, which is, again, right over the border, but not where, where our store is, but a close-by city. And um, that intrigued me because I've been looking for two years for a warehouse. We oh. are overstock. We're exploding at the seams, uh, knock on wood. And um, we've been looking, and there's ne- just hasn't been any real estate around to, to not only buy, but even to rent. So uh, I said, wow, that's interesting to me. And if they sell this to anybody else, they're going to have to pack it. First off, they had 15 months on the lease. And if somebody else buys it, they got to pack it up. They got to ship it to them. And they still got to pay 15 months left on a lease. So I said, I'll take your lease. So you're, you're all set there. Yeah. You don't have to pack it up. You don't have to ship it. And the shipping costs are a lot of money. And you don't have to do that either. You just leave it right where it is. And I'll give you this amount of money for every single thing. 
some things I'm interested in, some things I'm not, but it's just a all type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, unfortunately, not the vodka because I, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And you know, I'm I, sure. I just don't know. The, you know. And I'm sure that's a whole nother set of licensing and and all the other regulations. I mean, you, yeah. you're already under all sorts of licensing and regulations just doing tobacco. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the vodka would be even more. And, and, and honestly, this is my first go around on something like this because I lived through the cigar boom of the 90s. Companies went under it. And it's sad. It's not, it's not a happy thing. It's not a uh, uh, date the liquidator. I'm jumping in and, yeah. and liquidating the company. Uh, let me turn it into, into money. Um, so I, I, had a, I had the weekend to think about it. And I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm not looking to make any money. I'm looking to get you out of your problem. I'm looking to get the factory out of their problem because there was 800 boxes that had landed in Miami that they haven't taken possession of yet. And the factory shouldn't be out that money either. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was ordered. And uh, I just came back from Miami. I went down there to see what was left. And, you know, let me try to make everybody whole. Is it possible that I can get all this product and wash it out and it doesn't cost me money. It doesn't cost them money. It doesn't cost the factory money. Nobody makes any money, but everybody's out. So I came up with this plan to do it. I told them about it before um, I, uh, uh, you know, was accepted the offer. And um, they said, okay, that sounds good to us. We're going to have to call. There's, um, I, I believe there's like 10 owners of the company, which I don't, I don't even know them. There were a board of directors. Yeah. They said, we'll have, we'll have to talk to the board of directors to get you an answer. I said, in the meantime, can I take a ride to the warehouse so I can look at it? Because I've actually never even seen it. And I would like to know, you know, is this going to work for me? And they said, okay, follow me. So I followed them in my car to the warehouse. And when they got out at the warehouse, they got out of the car and they said, it's a deal. So they made the calls oh, wow. on the ride. So I'm like, wow. Okay. I hope <laughs> I like the warehouse. because I just bought the company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so it looked great. I said, I can, I can absolutely use this. Um, and uh, let's do it. And uh, I had the cigar authorities 12th year anniversary People were flying into it from all around the world in two hours. So this is this all happening the, the same weekend as that? The same day that oh they were, my gosh. people had flown in. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's do this. So I did it. And uh, two hours later, I was picking people up at the hotel. And um, I couldn't say anything because they didn't tell the employees or anything yet. Yeah. So they said, can you give us about four or five weeks, wait till um, May? So on the first Saturday in May, we announced it on the Cigar Authority show. And I said, okay, we'll announce it on the Cigar Authority first so I can tell the story because you really can't tell the story in writing or put a press release out. No one's going to read this whole ridiculous story. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell it at the end just so I'm able to. And um, we got we got off the first hour of that show, and it goes to commercial break. And Barry looks over to me and said, "We sold nine hundred boxes just now." Wow! I've, I've been in the business for a long time, but I never sold nine hundred boxes, <laughs> and, we, and, and we did it in the first hour of the show. By the following day, by Sunday, 
I took a ride over to the warehouse where I met my general manager over there. Um, and he said, I think we're out. I think it's gone. So and in a I weekend. I couldn't believe it. It was 3,800 boxes, uh, counting the, the eight, 800 that were in Miami pre-sold. Uh, and I said, now I have to go to the Dominican Republic to see what's left over there. So uh, last week, I flew to uh, Miami, uh, to uh, Dominican Republic uh, for a couple of days. I looked at the packaging that was left. I looked at the cigars, the bands. There were millions of bands. So the bands on an issue, um, we can just throw bands away and stuff. But looking you, at what, what was them. left there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to end up with, uh, I said, make them, don't get stuck with anything. Uh, assemble them uh, again. If you want to get rid of what's here, uh, assemble them. I'll take them. And um, so I would imagine a month or two from now, we may have about 800 more boxes uh, of whatever was left over there. And then that'll be it for boxes. Then the que question is how many cigars are left? I think the 800 boxes ought to fill the, the made cigars that weren't banded. Um, do I ban them? Do I not ban them inside the box? The bands are there and finish it off. Uh, and then the idea was, you know, when, when Michael Herklotz took over Nat Sherman, he kept the names of the brand, but not the name of the company. Yeah. So a Nat Sherman um, Metropolitan became Metropolitan. So I was thinking the same thing. You're smoking the Tradition. Yeah. Maybe the brand becomes Tradition. Maybe the other one becomes Hermitage. And the other one becomes, if keep or if to keep it, uh, I promise you that, I mean, the deal offered was buy a box, get two boxes free. Nobody <laughs> made any money on that, except maybe UPS made money. Yeah, I was going to say. But certainly nobody, uh, you know, that was um, just flush it out. And, um, you know, it, it went so fast. I had people saying to me, you know, you should have went buy one, get one free. You, you probably uh, uh, could, could have profited something. I said, you know, I actually feel good about it because I didn't want to make a profit on it. I wanted to cure everybody's problem. And I got a warehouse out of it. I, I now rent a warehouse space that I really, really needed. I was busting at the seams. So, uh you know, maybe maybe it turned out okay. Um, I do feel horrible for Hammer and Sickle. Oh, for sure. They did nothing wrong. They are a good company. It's full of good people. There's, there's a um, there's a hospital in Lowell, Massachusetts. The wing of the hospital says the Eric Hansen wing of the of the hospital. That's because he bought it uh, for the city. He was he was the most caring, giving person. His family is too. And, you know, when you see bad things happen to, to good people, it's, it's so sad to see that happen. Um, so the one thing they don't have to worry about is the cigars now. Uh, what, what happens to hammer and sickle vodka? I don't know. Um, and looking at the new projects that they had planned, they had some really cool stuff. I never saw it before because it hadn't come out. Yeah. But there I am in the factory. And they're showing the, me the renditions and said, hey, what do you think? But some of these things have licensing uh, things with them. And uh, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know where I'm at now for the future of it. But the the uh, the pain point of all those cigars, uh, what the hell am I going to do with them? Which I thought was going to take a year or so to get rid of them, uh, was gone in 
48 hours or less. It was amazing. That's good. And, you know, and like you were saying, you know, if you would have gone with a buy one, get one free, you know, it just would have maybe prolonged it a little while longer. And if if your goal was just, you know, clear them out and and move on, you know, with life and and see where you're at, then why hang on to it, you know? So... and, and I like that they they saw it. So they didn't – I don't want them because I'm, I'm very, very friendly with them for all these years. And I don't want them – Thinking it, that you would make me profiting. Profiting from, from the off of their loss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 could, I couldn't do it. You know, I'm like, yeah. ah, if, if, if something profitable comes in here, I got to do something to charity or I have to do something because I don't want it. It, yeah. I, I, it shouldn't be money made from it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you how many boxes you're sitting on, but you just told me that you're uh, you're done. So, uh, or at least this first, any, first round. Box. So, well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I will yeah. say when I went on to try and buy them, uh, the Maduros were already sold out. So I knew that they were flying fast, and I was able to buy one box of the Connecticut Shade, and then two boxes of the uh, the the tradition. Nat- natural tradition. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's great. Well, good to hear. So, yeah. Um, moving on to the next topic. This is kind of an awkward transition. But um so we we touched on it earlier. We were talking about media and everything and I wanted to talk about kind of uh two different topics. First of all, on the most recent Cigar Authority, you talked about cigar media and what does that mean? And I, I found that to be a really interesting conversation. You know, my 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 current prof- profession and everything obviously uh, plays into it, but I, I'm fascinated by it. But then also, um, I wanted to discuss kind of the state of affairs with cigars and social media. Because, you know, YouTube obviously is dinging people left and right. Um, I know you've had you and Mr. Jonathan uh, had your issues with Facebook, you know, getting booted and whatnot and coming back and whatever. Um, And then, uh, you know, algorithms and everything, too, because, you know, I know on our side, um, Instagram is our primary, you know, place that we post a lot. And I've noticed that our likes and interactions on posts have pretty much gone down by two thirds um over the last couple of months. Um yeah. YouTube is still all right, but see I've always, you know, from the start with YouTube, I've done um I've checked the box, no this is not for kids, and there's like a secondary box about, you know, is this appropriate or or mark this not appropriate for eighteen and under. And my kind con- thought on that was, well, nobody eighteen and under can smoke cigars, so I'll just go ahead and check the box that it's not, and then that way nobody gets in, you know angry at me. And so um, I kind of I don't know if maybe that's helped me avoid some of the issues so far, but you know it, it must have because we did too, and uh, we've been out there for twelve years. I, I, I'm very vocal. Yeah, I'm usually. I'm usually the poster child when the when the hammer goes down. It's me, <laughs> my whole life, uh, and this one I'm I'm sneaking by, and I'm saying why is it? And as I look at some of these, they didn't click the box. Exactly. Um, so uh, we did, but same things happening that we are not being shown our show. Uh, the dramatic drop that happened. It is not really a dramatic drop. 
they're not letting people see it. Yeah. So we still have podcasts. I listen to Cigar Pulpit on a podcast. I, you know, frankly, I'm looking at you now. Yeah. There's, there's and when people look at me too, there's, there's nothing to see here. That's what I Actually, always say. Way better. Why do people want to watch my show on YouTube? It's like it's it. You you can watch listen to it. It's so much better that way. But yeah. yeah but I know. some people. Fr- first off. YouTube is the number two search engine. Number one search engine is Google. It's owned by you. Or they yeah. own YouTube. So it's number two. And people listen to podcasts or even watch a podcast because there it is. They can say to their TV, hey, turn it on. And it goes there. And they're doing something else. If there's anybody out there staring at me and watching, that's <laughs> kind of creepy. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but why do we why do we do it? Because I want Google juice. Yeah. I want the algorithm thing happening, and uh, when they take us down, it's going to be even harder to find content. So you hear me begging my audience to find us on a podcast catcher and check it off and, and just be ready for it because they're going to forget that I was there the day it ends up happening, whatever day that's going to be. So we're, we're finding other places. There's that uh, Odyssey. Uh, so we put the, we loaded the stuff that's on there. It's certainly not a YouTube by any way yet, but I remember when YouTube started. So, and the other one is um, Rumble. Yeah. So we started downloading stuff there. Uh, you know what podcast catcher do I put it on? I put it on every one. So the same thing goes to the video content. If if they they let you upload it for free or it costs just a teeny bit a month because of the content uh, the amount of content sure okay we'll put it there um because the day is going to come that we're not going to be there anymore for sure so uh, uh as i told you media wouldn't allow me to advertise on newspapers uh it certainly happened on radio it happened on tv and um, when I learned about podcasting, that's what happened in 2010. Here I see this podcasting. I said, oh, my God, it'll be my content. I'll have it. I'll put it there. Beautiful. This, this is my answer to the government pushing me aside. But here we have social media that have an agenda also. There's nothing illegal about what we're doing. Marijuana shows are on there. You can go to Joe Rogan's show, and he's smoking pot on the damn show. Yep. But we can't do it on uh, on the cigar content uh, because they don't like it is what it is. So that, that was my problem. And, you know, I, I did do a show on it last week on quote cigar media. And, you know, we plan our shows uh, eight weeks in advance in order for us to do the care package and send mm-hmm. a postcard out showing what the shows are and have it printed and everything, you know, about printing. Yeah. All this stuff is eight weeks in advance of knowing what the show is going to be. And when you called me up to say uh, you wanted to do the show, and, and at first it was right before the show was going to happen, <laughs> I'm, I know what I was going to do the show on. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's, it's going to seem like I'm talking about you. And it's not yeah. because it was eight weeks in advance. Uh, but here, here goes. And I, I do the show. And I'm like, all right. You know, some of these guys are going to say, screw you, Dave, whatever, especially you and Gata, that as far as I'm concerned, the only journalists that are in this that could make the argument and say, screw you, I am a journalist, I am media. But you went on that the stink pipe thing and left a message 
which was so awesome because nobody can fight with me at this point. If you're saying, oh yeah, we are not cigar media. No. If you're doing it, then screw everybody else because you you really are journalists. I mean, yeah, Jeff and I are both, you know, card carrying members of the Illinois Press Association and members of this. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we're we're legit with our actual businesses. But then in terms of, you know, the cigar pulpit, I mean, when people ask me, what's your show about? I'm like, we're two morons with a microphone that talk about cigars. You know, I mean, like we're getting on here. You're not coming here. I mean, in some cases we do some educational type stuff and enlightening, but by and large, it's, you know, dick and fart jokes and whatever else. And that's, that's what we're coming to, to have fun, you know? So I, I think I use the term infotainment in my message to you. Yes, it's like, which, which was great. We're, we're taking yeah. that by the way. Oh, feel free. I steal <laughs> enough from you guys. So yeah, why not? You know? Well, yeah. Oh, Speaking of which, as a flavor note on this cigar. Have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? It's so freaking good. <laughs> have you ever put butter on a Pop-Tart? If you haven't, then I think you should. Anyway. <laughs> hey, and we stole it from Family Guy. And, exactly. You know, that's it. So. <laughs> uh, so. It, it's all it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, and, and not to berate the cigar podcasts and things that are out there because I'm one of them and you're one of them. Yeah. But the idea of our show was what do guys talk about in the cigar lounge? Even when there's a cigar event going on and there's somebody there, they're going to talk about the cigar for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then it's going to go somewhere else. Maybe they bring it back to cigars for a little bit and then it goes somewhere else. And that's the show. Now, when I started doing the show, I wanted to be cigars and I wanted to be uh, the Cigar Authority, I did say that, right? So I better be there. My producer was Mr. Jonathan. He wasn't on the show. He was the producer. And he says after the first two episodes, stop doing this and just do what you do when I sit there and talk to you. That's the show. And I said, nah, I want to end up doing this. And I'm listening to it. And I said, it's horrible. And he said, just do what you do. I love it. That's the way to go. Just be yourself. And at that point, it got really easy all of a sudden. Well, because when, yeah, that's that's who we are. And I've heard you talk about, or I've heard you mention before about, you know, hey, we do two hours a week, you know, talking about rolled up dried tobacco leaves, you know, and how much can you actually say about that? And to that point, you guys have been going for, you know, 12 plus now, you're in your 13th year now. You know, that's exactly it. How much can you actually say about, rolled up dried tobacco leaves but it's not just that it's it's as you're saying the rest of the stuff that makes up you know the cigar experience i mean you know after listening to saturday's show jeff and i were talking about what you guys were saying and we we said you know we're kind of the same way in that like you know when you're sitting at a lounge at best maybe 10 percent of the conversation is about cigars themselves like hey what are you smoking you know is it good blah 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 whatever but by and large, you're sitting there telling jokes, you know, watching a game, um, talking about how to solve all the world's problems. I mean, you know, it's it's all the rest of the stuff that gives that lounge experience and lounge atmosphere. And so that, to your point, that's exactly what we're wanting to do is kind of like just have that fun conversation so that, you know, when guys are sitting out on their porch and listening to us or in the car or whatever, they can feel like they're in the lounge and having a good time. Uh, Mr. Jonathan says at the end of every show, you might have learned something today. (laughs) 
And, and the reason why is because that was the mantra of it that, okay, after the first two episodes are over, we said, okay, we're going to sprinkle it in. And sometimes they're not even going to know that they got information, but it's going to go there. And we're going to keep doing it. And that's what we have on our notes. Here's the things we want to make sure we get in. Everything else is an open page, but here's the things we want to try to get in. And most of the time we were able to get those things and we start getting good at it to try to sneak it in. We laugh at each other sometimes when somebody does a, uh, what do you call it? Um, almost a transition into it. Yeah. We, we find a spot, you squeeze it in, you got it in there. And, <laughs> and the other person will look, look at how you got that in there. You know, <laughs> And maybe you learn a little something because the, the idea is to, uh, keep the culture of cigar smoking alive and good. And, you know, I don't think anybody could take two hours of nonstop. Let's talk about cigars. No. Oh my God. And if you, if you got the magic to be able to, uh, entertain a little bit, uh, inform while this stuff is going on and you can do it. That's the magic sauce. And you got it. You got it. There's no doubt about it. I told you when, when I heard the show the first time, um, it, it, as familiar as it is, you got the magic sauce that there's some things in there. You're showing them how, Oh, if my cigar cracked, here's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It came in. I don't know if somebody heard it. If everybody caught on, I do, I catch on when I end up here and I go, absolutely. They just got that in. Uh, somebody just learned something. We, some new guy. We call it our vortex of ignorance. That, like, when we get together, we start ch- chatting, and it's kind of our vortex of ignorance, and people get sucked into it, and somehow or another, they're entertained. And like you said, that's when you when you've got them hooked and they're entertained, you can sprinkle in a little bit here and a little bit there, and you know, do an interview here and there, and maybe somebody comes away with a little bit of extra knowledge. So, yeah, yeah. And, and and beating up on the podcasters and the cigar media was the last thing you want to sprinkle in <laughs> is negativity. Yeah. And that's what's make that's what's making me crazy now that I, I'm like, why are you doing this? You you have a whole bunch of fans loving this product and now you're gonna turn it negative. Yeah. If I want negative, I'll go to the state house. They'll yell at me and call me all kinds of a killer yeah. if I go up there. I, I'll hear everything I want to end up hearing. I certainly don't want to hear it on – you go to a podcast to relax and have a cigar, and then they turn this into basically politics and negativity. There's too much of that, even media too. I mean, it's regular media. It's like, holy shit, you, you turn on some some shows on TV, and I'm like, okay, I can't take any more of that. Yeah. I mean, and look, everybody's got their opinions and, you know, much like, you know, it's it's just one of those things that do we need to be sharing those opinions so publicly and, you know, and everything else. And, you know, and unless also- you're on the side, unless you're on the side, if you're turning it that way, it, listen, I, I sat on the board of directors of every trade show organization, every part of this industry, because I do have a lot to say negative. So we go there, they close the door, and then I get up and I start saying, okay, enough of this shit, this shit, and say it amongst ourselves. I'm certainly not going to go to the politicians and have the same argument in front of them yeah, and give them the exhibits to turn against us. Precisely. But that's what I'm seeing that's happened. Please, I, I, I hope if any of, them's li- any of them are listening, it's not to turn negatively against you. It's for you to hear this and stop 
turning negative against. I didn't name names. I didn't say anything about any any single person or anything. But don't do it. I don't hear you guys doing it. Mm-mm. So it, it certainly wasn't uh, I mean, a step to you, but there's too much. You know, and I have, and, and again, I have my opinions on a few things. But I think that's part of the problem in our society these days is that when somebody, you know, goes against the 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 flow or goes against the grain, you know, suddenly they're they're deemed as as you know somebody that needs to be ostracized, canceled, or something like that. And it's like, you know, maybe their their point is valid. And to your point, you know, when everybody is. <sighs> kind of getting a big head about themselves maybe we need to take yeah. a step back you know like you brought up how um press releases and how you know a lot there are and not naming any names but there's a number of places that just regurgitate press releases and the thing is you know it's a sad practice because it happens in the regular mainstream media all the time i mean i see it i get press releases for the newspaper and next thing i know i'm seeing the st louis television you know running a uh, you know video package or whatever in the nightly news and it's it's just that press release that they've regurgitated and everything and you know i've seen big papers put uh have reporters put their byline They'll, they'll call one guy, get one extra quote, they'll jam it in the press release, and they'll call it their story, you know, and that sort of thing. And yeah. There needs to be some Lazy eth- journalists. That's exactly Lazy it. journalism, right? There needs yeah. to be some ethics about it all. And, you know, and I think if, if you're just going to regurgitate press releases, I would say that you're not cigar media. You're a cigar aggregator. You're a place that you're collecting content from all sorts of different places and you're just putting it in one centralized location you're the drudge report of of cigars you know in that drudge by and large doesn't write any articles all he does is just link all over the place and so he's an aggregator that's what a number of these sites do in my opinion yeah and and listen nothing wrong with it if that's what you're doing and doing it put it out there and stuff but to to really you know, put an effort to say it's media. It's not media. And if, if they would uh, lay off the negativity on top of that, uh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and part of this stemmed from fighting for, to, to allow people like you to come to the trade show. Yeah. And I was on the board. I fought for it to happen. I said, it's good for the industry. I still believe it can be good for the industry. But as I start seeing them turning, I can hear them in my head. They haven't said it to me yet. But I go to the trade show and behind closed doors, they're going to say, I told you so. You know, oh, well, and you because and you have you have to feel somewhat a little bit. and, And I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but you have to feel somewhat, for lack of a better term, betrayed. In that, like, you know, here you are, you're fighting for these guys to have access and everything like that. And then they come in and, you know, I heard you guys talking about the trick or treat, you know, how they're going around collecting up all the free, you know, the samples and then, you know, going from there. And now they're doing this where they're throwing their opinions around and potentially causing, I mean, there's some things that have the potential to cause real damage to the cigar industry you know, as, as pieces of evidence in various court cases and things of that nature. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you got to say, like, I truly believe, I, don't know. I believe they, they, they are in their minds. They're, they're trying to do good, <clears throat> but they don't realize this is somebody's real business. And the, the person they're hurting 
employs a whole bunch of people and their families. And this trickles down just so they could get some more clicks and likes or shares or whatever the hell they're looking for on their side. Um, if, if you're part of the, because you got into it is because you're fans of premium cigars. You're a fan club of it. Be the fan club and, you know, uh, maybe on a private message group or something, or by all means, and I, somebody was talking about, should they put somebody in the media, cigar media, on the board of advisors on some of the trade shows? And that went nowhere. Um, maybe, thank God, it didn't. But um, these guys will listen to them. Yeah. You know, call them up on the phone and listen. Instead of hoping that someday they're going to hear your show and hear that moment of a long, long podcast and hear that moment of you said it, pick up the phone, especially if you're media, right? Call them up. That's what you're supposed to do. You follow up and you say, hey, I don't like your trade show because of this, this, this. And I think you should be doing this, this, this. And leave it there. It went right to the horse's mouth. You, you said it right to the person that needed to say it. To say it to other fans out there, you're turning them bad too. You're turning yeah. them on them. They, they start agreeing with each other of, you're right. It is terrible what they do. It is terrible. They shouldn't do this. And I'm like, oh my God, look at it. And even sometimes they're interviewing somebody in the cigar industry and they kind of say, what do you think about this? And the guy is like, yeah, you're right. I don't like it either. And then after I'll hear from that person and saying, what the hell was I going to say? Yeah. It, it's you're stuck at that moment. Yeah. So, uh, because it'll hurt them yeah. if they end up saying something. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny that, um, there's important questions to be asked in an interview and it's all softball questions. I know I'm in the cigar industry too. All I do is softball questions yeah, but, to, to my guests but see, because all I want is the best for them. Barry, Barry, who does our reviews, Barry never gives a bad review. And people will say, oh, look at his review numbers. They're, they're one and a half points more than everybody else's. Uh, because when he gets to a bad review, he just doesn't put it out. Exactly. Because why hurt them? No. Nope. We love them. We, we love them and we love their company and we love what they're in the industry. And we believe me, they call up and say, how come you didn't, uh, Barry, didn't interview, uh, do a review on my thing? And I said, well, I'll check. Let me get back to you. And I checked with him and said, it unraveled, it burned well, but it did it. So I didn't put it out. And I go, you didn't want them to put it out. That's why. Yeah. We're not going to lie. So we have three choices. We can tell the truth, we can lie, or we can just leave it out. So rather than to hurt somebody, our choice is we're going to just leave that one out, okay? Yeah. No, and that's the best way to do it. I mean, by and large, I of the 280-some-odd episodes that Jeff and I have done, I can only think of maybe a handful where we smoked a cigar without having tried it before we were going to have it on the show. That way, you know, we knew what we were getting into and going into it with. Because, I mean, yeah, the last thing in the world you want to do is be stuck and you're sitting there. And, you know, and with Jeff and I, we're always pushing it to the last minute to get it done before deadline anyway. So, you yeah, know, it's one of those things that you don't want to be sitting there with a cigar and all of a sudden you're like, this thing's a dog rocket and I don't want to talk about it bad. I mean... You know, even if it's kind of a basic cigar, not much flavor, you know, whatever, we always try and find something complimentary. Like, hey, look, the construction's good. It's kicking off a lot of smoke. 
you know, this, that, burn line's good, whatever. We find something positive to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, listen, I say it to my employees when uh, we, we take a cigar in and I say, let me know what you like about this cigar. And then somebody will say, it's too peppery, blah, blah, blah. I go, that's not the, that was not what I asked for. What do you like about it? Uh, I'm looking for what you like about it because somebody likes too peppery. So well, and what the, do you like about this? And the nice thing that I think for both of our shows, actually, because, you know, you've got Barry, who, from what I gather, tends to be more of a medium to full-bodied smoker. You tend to yeah. be more of a light to medium-bodied smoker. It's the same concept. You know, I tend to go for yes. the medium and full. Jeff likes the lighter cigars, the Connecticut Shades. So even if maybe it's a cigar that's not blowing my skirt up, you know, Jeff appreciates it. Or in your case, vice versa or whatever. So, I mean, you know, there's always at least somebody on the show that tends to have something positive, even if the other one's like, look, you know, it's not for my palate, but it is for his. And so if my if, you know, you listener are thinking, hey, you know, my palate tends to agree more with, you know, Nick and Barry or it tends to agree more with, you know, Gator and Dave, you know, you can you can kind of base your judgment off of that. Yeah. And we we. I, I just not cigar smokers. I buy about twelve million dollars worth of cigars a year. Holy cow! That's that's our job to buy cigars. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of good at it because we're spending real money, and it's thirty-seven years of doing it. And I'm, I'm not batting a thousand, but it's not baseball. You can't bat three hundred and stay in, in the cigar industry. You better be batting eight, nine hundred, or nine hundred plus. Um, so we know a good cigar when we, when we see it and if we take it in, it's a good cigar and it's worth, it's worth its money. And when we get a cigar that's on the cigar authority, somebody has smoked it. Not necessarily everybody on there. Many times I brought a cigar back with me and stuff. Those guys never smoked a cigar before, but of course I smoked three of them before I brought the cigar back. Oh, for sure. And, and it's good. And there's no denying that it's good. I don't like it. It's a different story. I don't like what it tastes like. But is it? does it draw? Does it burn properly? Uh, it has aroma? Has flavor? Okay. It, it's good enough. Uh, I, I, I brought it in or I'm bringing it in. Uh, typically, something gets to that stage, we're probably bringing it in. And there's been exceptions to the rule of something that somebody's a guest and maybe the second cigar, I want you to try the cigar. If you if you don't see twoguys.com is selling it next month, yeah, it didn't make the cut. And that that it also doesn't mean it, that it is a bad cigar in any way because I can't take everything. We had to get a warehouse because I had no place to put more cigars. Well, so and that, and that's that, a little... And that brings yeah. me to a question. Um, so, not... You have... You're you're obviously buying a ton of cigars, twelve million dollars a year. What I know you've gone into what goes into your buying, you know, have or uh, mindset. You know, you've talked about kind of how you pick out cigars for your shop. But I guess um, the flip side of that would be if you're bringing in all these cigars and you have all these cigars, I can't imagine you have. I mean, your humidor is probably constantly full. And, you know, but then at the same time, you're rotating, you know, it's like you're seeing what's moving, what's not and everything. What What's kind of like the mindset of like, you know, when you're going in and having a Sophie's Choice out of cigar, you know, what what 
where where do you draw the line and say this one's not doing it for me and I got to move on? So I don't know what Sophie's choice. It was a movie, but I never saw it. So help uh, me there. Um, it's ba- I think the concept is that like you know you have to pick which child you want to have live. <laughs> okay. So in order to um, to take a cigar brand on, I've said it to many manufacturers. Trade shows coming up in July. I have to get ready to. I'm going to bring something in, so something has to go. 37 years. It's not like I have room. There's, there's no room at all. And even a manufacturer that's going to add a new line to it, something has to go. And sometimes I'll even say to the manufacturer, so you want me to take this brand on, huh? Which one of yours do you want me to discontinue? Because we're doing really good across the board on, on yours. Oh, no, I don't want you to discontinue mine. Discontinue my competitors. Yeah. One. So <laughs> e- every year, uh, at the end of the year, we, I look at data like you can't believe. I look at it all the time. I'm, I'm that guy uh, analyzing data, seeing trends in advance and all this stuff. But we'll look at some slow-moving stuff, uh, not always looking at the top. You're looking at the bottom. And it's just not going, and people aren't rebuying it. And you're seeing this end up happening. And to a little manufacturer, I'm a big customer still. Even though it, it barely moves in my store, I've gone over to at the trade show to a manufacturer many, many times this has happened. And just last year it happened. I went over and they go, oh, my God, let me show you the new thing. And I go, hold on, hold on. Before you get there, we're discontinuing your product. I just want you to know. And they go, you've got to be kidding me. You're my yeah. biggest customer. I'm so, so sorry. And I love you. And it's just not repeat business. People are trying it, but they're not digging it. Uh, I like it. It's not good enough. We have to make room and try something else. And maybe you have something that I want to try and get rid of the other stuff. Uh, But on the first Friday in March every year, we have what we used to call Midnight Madness. And we used to stay open till midnight and everything was on sale. And some stuff, I mean, rock bottom stuff like we just did with Hammer and Sickle. Yeah. One day a year. So that we don't ever hurt the manufacturer, we don't put it online so that they can see the price and and it ends up hurting them somewhere else. Nobody knows what's going to be there. It's piled up. We do hundreds of thousands of dollars in the retail store in a day. People come from everywhere and they load up and there's nothing wrong with these cigars. They just fell at the bottom of the list. And what's new is what the consumer is always asking for. So we have to bring in new things. For sure. We don't have to bring a lot, but you have you have to have something coming in. So something's got to go. And unfortunately, and I and I love them all. I love all the people we do business with. It's been twelve years now. I turned fifty years old twelve years ago. And when I turned fifty, I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing business with only good people. That was the gift to myself. Now there's bad people that make really good cigars. But I don't want to. I don't even want to deal with them anymore. Yeah. So what I consider a bad person, for whatever reason, business wise or whatever it is. So you'll see things that we don't carry, and you know it's a good cigar, and you, now you can kind of start doing a thing and say, okay, we had problems, whatever that is. I don't want to fight with the person. I don't want to. Life is too short. Let's see each other and say hello when we see each other, but let's not do business anymore. 
and uh, that frees up some some spots for us too. Okay, all right, that makes sense. And um, well, and it, it, it's a good idea, kind of clearing it out, and then so that's in March. That gives you time to, uh, you know, kind of learn what's coming up in July and kind of evaluate. And then when you go out yeah. to Vegas in July, you can uh, go out with your pocketbook full and come back with your pocketbook empty, I guess. That's it. <laughs> we, 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 spend, we spend a lot of money when we go to those shows. And I hear people beating up the trade show. Listen, getting all the manufacturers in one place at the same time, boy, that saves a lot of phone calls. Uh video conferences people flying in meetings uh oh let's go to lunch let's go to dinner and all this stuff it's beautiful so what are some of the positives of a trade show for a retailer we get to go and see everybody at the same time and take care of business in a few days which would take months yeah. to, to accomplish when the manufacturing side is they get to see all their retailers or those smart enough to attend all at the same time and take care of business. You know, why do I, I fly the Dominican Republic? I'm not growing the tobacco, but I can take care of a lot of business at the same time in one country and go around and see all these people in a matter of a couple of days and take care of business. So this, you know, again, the, when, it, you know, circling back to the podcaster or the, so, or the cigar media, they don't understand the business aspect of this business. It is all fun and games to a certain extent, but it is a real business that's going on. So there's a lot of positives through trade shows that they don't maybe understand as they beat up, you know, or there's no breakfast this this time, or there's no yeah. some so foolish, the foolish little stuff that they're going negative on. Where I sat in that board for six years, let me tell you, you're dealing with millions of dollars that go through there. You, you, uh, these people are paid zero to do it. And then you're going to beat on them. You're going to beat on these people that do this charity work for the entire cigar industry and beat on them and tell them everything that they're doing wrong. The only way to say they're doing, doing wrong is to get in their spot and see if you can do a better job to it. And I promise you, it ain't easy because I've been doing this for a long time. And that's a lot of hard work, a lot of fighting and going to Washington, D.C., fighting these things. And then for somebody to nilly-dilly end up beating on them and saying, I don't like the way they're doing this and all this stuff. It's just unfair to say that you got to walk in my shoes to understand it. Well, and you know, as well as I do that there's a lot of, uh, you know, consumers and, you know, the ancillary cigar people, but I'm kind of wrapping them up in the consumers that, uh, you know, we all like to sit around on the couches and the lounges and figure out how to spend, you know, people like your money. And uh, yes. he should be doing this. He should be bringing this in. We need more TVs in the lounge. We need better chairs, you know, this and that and whatever. So, yeah, there's there's always the peanut, yeah, m- peanut gallery. Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking a bit that they'll they'll say how the, the quarterback uh, was throwing terrible. Yeah, here, throw one at me. Let me see what you got. These are friggin' pros. They're professional <laughs> athletes. Um, and, and a stat guy sitting in the chair telling how how lousy he plays. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> and one other point to the media thing. There's a huge difference, I think, between um, what someone would consider like mainstream news media, where you're covering the events of the day and whatever else is going on. And, you know, that's supposed to be covered fair and well, I don't want to use that term because that's affiliated with a news organization. But right. fair, fair, and which, which is it down the middle? Let's go with that. Yeah. We'll go with fair and down the middle. Um, but uh, you know, 
but I think there's a big difference between that kind of news and, and journalism and industry news and journalism. You know, industry news, you know, look, you can come in there and you can try and find like the big hard hitting Watergate-ish type story, but you're going to find yourself shut out of everything as soon as you publish something like that. So, you know, if you're going to get into industry journalism, which I would say that, you know, the, the people that we're classifying as cigar media would maybe be considered you almost have to realize that your role is there as a cheerleader to some extent for that, for that industry. You know, you're there to, to promote what's going on and talk about what's going on. And look, you know, if somebody leaves this job and moves to this company, yeah, you know what, you can report on that. But, um, but if you, you know, start hearing rumors about, Hey, they left that job because they were embezzling money or something like that. Don't, don't, why, why, you know, that's why get into that, you know? So, I don't know. And, and I believe that all the people that are, quote, cigar media are cigar fans. Exactly. They, they love our industry. That's why they do it. They're certainly not doing it for the money. Uh, they're cigar fans. They, they lose money. They're spending their own money to go to trade shows, all this stuff. If, they, if they're getting some, some uh, little something from a, um, a, a vendor who's uh, advertising, great. But... If, if uh, you know, I'm in the cigar business because I sell cigars and I make a profit from selling cigars. That's why I'm in the cigar business, not certainly the Cigar Authority. I'm doing the Cigar Authority because I love the cigar industry and I want more people to embrace the lounge experience and see what this is all about and love the cigar industry, <clears throat> not beat it up. Yeah. Well, tell that to Gator the next time he asks me about his 1099. Yeah, yeah, I hear it. <laughs> Um, so moving on, I have a, I don't normally do two cigars on a show, but, uh, I felt the need to do this because I've been sitting on this cigar for a little while and, uh, I figured I'd go ahead and do this. Now the wrapper is San Andreas, the binder is Sumatra and the filler is uh Dominican grown broadleaf or, or includes Dominican grown broadleaf. It's a seven by 38 and it's the 12th anniversary cigar authority Lancero. And, wow. uh, I figured uh, this can be your opportunity to try and pimp that out and see if you can sell a few boxes. Because, <laughs> you know, you can sell 3,800 boxes of Hammer and Sickle in a weekend, and you're sitting on how many boxes of this Lancero? Probably close to 200 left of the 300 that were made. Um, and as you know, every show, I smoke two cigars <laughs> every show, uh, without a doubt. Uh, so I'm going to smoke the uh, Garofalo La Familia uh, this is the Connecticut version, and this is the Robusto uh, made by Perdomo. And I, I, I met you at the Perdomo booth. Uh-huh. Right? That's, uh-huh. The, the, that's where we met. So uh, I thought of that, and I said, okay, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me fire that up. Yeah, I interrupted. Um, you were having a conversation with Nick, and I walked over, and all of a sudden I've got you going, Nick, and it just, you know, I, I felt like I interrupted your conversation. but um, Not at all. Uh, I, I've been friends with Nick since uh, he got into the business, and uh, he did so well. I'm so happy for him. Uh, I'm certainly a well-wisher for everybody that ends up doing well. He did sensational, and uh, he came to me and asked uh, if he could put a brand out under my name. And, oh, my God, I was taken back like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and this time, uh, with this version that came out last year, uh, I said, let me in on this because I had nothing to do with the first rendition, which is the family legacy 
um, line, uh, the La Familia side, uh, he let me in on it. And boy, they got it going on. If you ever get a chance to go to Perdomo factory. Yeah. Wow. You want some education. Uh, holy mackerel. That that's the place to go. I so, think it'd be great. I think um, it'd be great. So I'm, I'm, I'm called a Lancero hater. I don't hate anything. <laughs> I certainly, I certainly don't hate cigars. Um, but I've been down this rabbit hole way too many times of people telling me, uh, it's the year of the Lancero. Lanceros are getting hot and popular. Um, you should bring in some Lanceros. And each time I do it, and typically Lancero boxes are boxes of 50 because they're so little. Yeah. So to make, you see the box that that came in, it's, it's a box of 12. It's only a little pencil box, basically. Yeah. So I, I said, uh, when, I, when I buy Lanceros, I'd buy... Let, let's assume it was one box, but it's not one box. I, I, I buy a lot of cigars, uh, three stores, the online business, and, uh, you know, one to show, one to go is is the old uh, analogy to, to what cigars were. And, you know, with my business, it, it, it becomes way more than that. And I'll open the box and all the people that yelled and screamed and said, get the Lancero in this, all come in and get a Lancero. And they take a picture of it. They put it on social media. They talk about it, tell their friends how good they are. And then, again, I track everything. They don't ever buy it again. And, they, and they're asking for the next Lancero that hasn't even come out yet. You should do this. And I'm looking at nine boxes of closed Lanceros and one box of full Lanceros that have 15 missing out of a box of 50. And I know at least I got March Madness coming up where I'm going to dump these things at a loss to get rid of. But here it is again, and I do it again and again and again. I go, that's it. And, oh, every, every manufacturer comes to me, and when they give me a cigar to smoke, they give me the Lancero. And because I'm not carrying it, they're smart enough that they, they give me the size I don't carry. Yeah. They give my staff the cigar size I don't carry. And they smoke, and they say, that Lancero is really good. And I go, all right, let's put some in. And I put it in, and the same thing happens <laughs> over and over. And I'm like, you idiot. You just keep doing this. Well, this was Ed Sullivan, Barry Stein, and Mr. Jonathan saying, yeah, we should come out with something for our 10-year anniversary. And that was the idea of the cigar. And then COVID and everything happened. Yeah. So this thing was, was going to come out for 10. And I said, it's, uh, it's going to be a loser. And they said, just make a few hundred boxes of it. It won't be a lot. So as time went on, COVID ended up happening. We missed the deadline. Then the, the cigars are all done and ready to go. And um, they said, how do you want this packaged? And I said, you know what? It's going to be the 12-year anniversary. Box it in 12s, the 12-year anniversary. So it won't be all that much. Somebody will say, okay, I'll take a whole box, and we'll get out of these things alive. And I get to say to them, okay, it worked. The Lancero sold. No, nope, I want to. I'm right again. I don't want to be right, but I'm right again uh, that they they just will not sell. And they 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 taste good. They smoke good. Look in the look in the cigar lounge. You go next time and look around and see how many people are smoking a Lancero. The answer is none. Uh, what got popular is bigger ring gauge. I would have said to you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 60 ring gauge. No way. That's not yeah. going to work. Well, it worked. And it went bigger, but it's certainly not going thinner. 
I mean, there's um, a guy I know, Chris. He smokes over at Riverman. The smallest I've ever seen him smoke is a seventy. But when wow. the when the nine by nineties came out from Asylum, he was all about those. I mean, you know, it's like he loves the big cigars, and I I don't get it. They look uncomfortable at that ring gauge. But yeah, right, absolutely. So Lanceros don't sell, um, and I don't know what to do. I'll I'll get creative and and do something. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make it at least probably till the thirteenth anniversary, and then do something. <laughs> $13 a box on the 13th. I don't know what, but, um, and, and I'm saying to the audience that's listening, Hey, I'm going to keep talking about this unless you, you buy it. And then I say to Barry, they buying anything. And he goes, we might've sold a box this week. You know, <laughs> we, we might've sold a box this week of 12 when you, when you're sitting on at the time, 300, we got rid of a hundred of them that first week. And that was part of the people that came to the event that bought three boxes at a time and all that. But really, when it comes down to it, and I don't care if anybody buys it. It's a, I, I don't. There's no pressure or anything. But um, you know, when Steve Saka came out with his Lancero, he called it "Leave Me Alone," right? <laughs> it's L M A whatever. Yeah. It's leave. It's leave me alone. And he knows it isn't going to sell. And he go, now leave me alone, but it's not going to sell. And we have to stop bending over for pressure of something we know as professionals in this industry that this product is not going to sell. And if you are a diehard Lancero customer and you say, I love Lanceros, I want to do it, buy them by the box and, and make a change. But going in and buying one single and saying, okay, I'm going to buy a single of it is not, it, it's more harm than good. You're breaking open the box so the guy can get the single. Now he looks at 49 for the rest of his life. No. So there's a lot of a lot of old Lanceros out there in cigar shops around the world. Oh, this guy's got a lot of Lanceros. He's got a lot of Lanceros because he never washed them out. He never cleaned house like, like a good retailer should. You get rid of dead product. Even if you lose money, get rid of it so you got room for thing. They hold on to it. So Look at all the Lanceros I have. That stuff came out eight years ago. You still have the, the open box from eight years ago. Let it go, buddy. Now, I have to point this out because otherwise I'm going to catch a raft of hell from him. My my friend, Broccoli Rob, who has the final third cigar and whiskey lounge over there near Indianapolis, um, when he found out that you and I were going to be discussing this, uh, he said that if you need advice as to how a shop can sell 11 different Lanceros, well, you can reach out to him because I guess he's got 11 in his humidor and apparently he does well with them. But to your point, I'd, I'd like to hear what I'd like to hear what well what well is what well is. And he's got a because is there eleven Lanceros in the market today? Some of them might be left over from a year ago. And if you got a box of cigars and it's a year later and you're still sitting on it, again, I'm a guy looking at the bottom of my of my sheet all the time yep. and seeing this thing, and it bothers you when you look at the at the bottom of it. Okay, is it overpriced? Is that why it's not selling? Does it not taste good? Let me go smoke one of those. No, it tastes good. Price seems okay. Let me move it somewhere in the store in a different position. Let me see if I get it going. Nope, still not going there. Okay, this is tested, and tried, and I'm not guessing that these things don't sell. I don't have one store. I have three stores. Yeah. And over the years, I've had seven stores because I came from Massachusetts before in a different state and moved up here. 
Lanceros don't sell. No. And well, and you if, if you gotta if oh, you go got ahead. say he say he is a, the Lancero lover. He loves him himself. I think he does. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That can that can really help because if I walk around all day smoking a Lancero on the sales floor and somebody comes in because they say, Hey, what are you smoking? And whatever I'm smoking, somebody wants to give it a try because if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for them, maybe, of the mentality that goes on. So if you walk around long enough with a Lancero, somebody's going to say, let me let me give one of those a try. I'll tell you a quick story. I was at, uh, it was a snowstorm and I had to go open one of the stores because nobody could get out. And uh, I went and opened the store and I got this big Solomon cigar. Uh, I'll leave nameless. Okay. And... I lit the Solomon cigar, big, full-bodied uh, Solomon. Solomons don't sell either, by the way. So I'm smoking it, and I do some social media that the store is open, and, and about 10 people come down, and everybody just grabs one cigar. Nobody came shopping. They came because it was a snowstorm, and were basically hunkered down in there shooting the shit. Well, I'm still smoking the, the Solomon because it's so big. An hour goes by. I'm getting really sick. I'm smoking it and I put it in the ashtray and I run in the back room and I throw up not once, but twice. Oh, geez. And I wash up and I look at myself in the mirror. I look like I look terrible. My eyes are bloodshot. My, my face is white. Uh, I come back out and I sit in the lounge back with everybody else. And my cigars in the ashtray, I'm not touching it. And um, they said, what the hell happened to you? Cats out of the bag. They're looking at me. I said, well, I got sick. I didn't have breakfast this morning. I was out shoveling the snow, too, trying to make excuses because there's the ashtray with their cigar in it. So now they know which one made me sick. And you don't want to hurt a brain. So, absolutely. Yeah. Never. Everyone in the cigar lounge, 10 for 10, bought that cigar. <laughs> they all 10 had to, for 10. They all had to see if they're stronger than you. So that was the worst. I, I'm, a, I'm a salesman at heart, right? I sell cigars for a living. I'm a salesman. That was the worst pitch I've ever done in my life. And I batted a thousand. <laughs> ten out of ten actually bought a Solomon that made me throw up. So I don't know. In reverse psychology, whatever ended up happening there, I said, wow, I'm telling you, it made me sick. And that was the last time I smoked it. And they bought it. It ended up eventually going away because it was a Solomon and it wasn't uh, fermented properly or whatever it was that, that made me sick on yeah. it. And um, that was the end of, of the line. Well, for me, Lanceros, and, and you joke about it, but there's some truth to it. You know, as a man of size, um, it does make my fingers look fat. And, uh, you know, I'm self-conscious about that. But the bigger thing for me is I have a rate of smoking. I tend to smoke Toros. And so I have a, like, kind of, like, muscle memory kind of rate of smoking. And with Lanceros, I have to purposely slow that down or I get runs or, you know, it, it misshapen burn lines and whatnot because I'm smoking it too fast. And that quite frankly is just too much work for me. I like, I like to have, you know, my cigar and I like to sit and smoke it and everything. And so, you know, it sounds really lazy on my part, but you know, it just, it's too much, too much thought and work going into it to main, to have a good smoking experience. I understand the concept behind, 
you know, you get flavor from the wrapper more and this and that and whatever. But, you know, I just, uh, I, I tend to not smoke many Lanceros myself. And it's very hard to make a Lancero. It is not an easy thing. It's a slower process, even though less tobacco is used. To make a uh, 38 ring gauge cigar draw, draw good and, and taste good and burn properly, it's a tough thing to do. They don't even, the factories don't even like doing it. So it's not like they're doing it because it's easy to do. They don't even want to do it either. The person that wants them to do it is the person that, that for whatever reason, feels like they like Lanceros. And the, the, the cigar manufacturers listen to the people. And the, um, the minority, the loud minority is controlling that. Yeah. They have by far the minority, but they're very vocal. Well, and they hear them and they keep doing it. And that's the thing. The cigar geeks are the ones that are all over Instagram and Facebook and all these other places talking about what they're smoking and sharing their thoughts and everything. But, you know, the you talk about how, like, 60% or so of smokers are smoking Connecticut shade. You know, we don't really hear much out of them. They come in, they buy their stuff and they go, you know, but it's, it's like you said, the loud minority talking up Lanceros and, and yeah, I don't know. Um, I will say the Aladino Cameroon in the Elegante or the Lancero size. That one's pretty good. It's good. It's good. And he's another one who still <laughs> pushing me, pushes the Lanceros on me. A hundred percent of the time when he comes up, he brings me a Lancero. A hundred percent of the time is a Lancero. Tell me that doesn't draw good. He gives it to me. I said, it draws good. It tastes good. It just doesn't sell. And, you know, one of my workers will say, I just sold somebody some just a few minutes ago. I got the numbers, man. I, I can see what the numbers are. Yes, you, you just made that happen. I get it. But it doesn't add up to shit. You know, it just doesn't. Well, I'll say this uh, about yours. So I'm getting some uh, real coffee notes off the first third, and um, it's smoking great. I mean, um, I did mention the burn line. Um, I was smoking a little fast at some point while you were talking. So it just, you know, whatever, but it's recorrected. It's kicking off a ton of smoke. It's been a really good cigar so far. It's a good it's a good cigar. There's no denying it, but that still doesn't take away uh, that it doesn't sell. Dave, I'm trying to help you sell some here to my people. Please. (laughs) Go to twoguyscigars.com. I'm sure it's on the rotator unless they they took it down. I don't think they did because they're trying to to move them. Uh, But I don't care if they ever sell. It'll be something to talk about for years. I'll (laughs) I'll save some. I'll say, here they are from from 2022. Here they are still. There you go. There you go. Um, So let me go to my notes here. So the other thing I wanted to discuss with you. Totally switching gears. I, I listened to the after show today while I was driving, and you touched on um, um, how you think that things are starting to slow down a little bit, and you brought up the European market. And the European market is something that Dan over at Riverman and I have had a lot of discussions about because we've been noticing on social media a lot of um, different cigar manufacturers over the last couple of years um, – making trips over to Europe and the Middle East and various places. And they'll post pictures and things of that nature. And, you know, we've kind of been sitting back and kind of speculating like, okay, is this the start of the inroads into um, the, uh, the, the European market for the quote-unquote New World cigars? 
And, you know, you talked about uh, the Cuban cigars uh, with their massive price increase and, and everything else. Um, I guess to my point, there are some manufacturers, and I'm not going to name names, but there are some manufacturers that through talking with Dan, I know have had some, uh, I'll just say issues with fulfilling orders. You know, that you'll order so many cigars and you'll get a smattering and then maybe a couple months down the road, if you're lucky, you might see some more and that sort of thing. I think, you know, the longest for him was nearly two years that he waited for an order. Um, If you're seeing these manufacturers going over to other countries uh, overseas and opening up, you know, accounts and things of that nature... If you're a retailer, should you be wondering like what that means for you? Because if they already don't have maybe the the inventory or the stock to be providing you what you're ordering, and then they're going over and opening up a whole different market, should that be concerning to some of these retailers? Well, because we all assume these countries are like the United States, where 80% of every cigar in the world, every cigar is consumed in the United States. That goes for Cuban cigars. It doesn't matter what it is. Take every single cigar and 80% of it's going to the United States. So it's diversification that's happening. And why are they looking at Europe? One of the reasons is some of the things that's going on over there with Cuban cigars. You couldn't penetrate into the European market before because it was basically controlled by Habanos, Cuban cigars, and Davidoff. Mm -hmm. Those were the two. You went into a cigar shop in Europe. Those were your two choices. Maybe Toscano. That was another one, big European. Um, And um, over the years, some people, some European brands have broken really loose. One of them is Arnold Andre, Montosa. Um, That brand has has gone dramatic in Europe. They have now uh, come into the United States, which will be Interesting to see what ends up happening with that. Looking at it, you're talking about a 200-year-old company, much like Toscano. Here they are looking in the United States. So why shouldn't the United States brand look into Europe? All they can do is get 20%. You know they're still going around to other people's shops trying to open shops in the United States. Yeah. So it's it's only like that. So, you know, you take, um, uh, especially with what's happening with Habanos not being Habanos is the big one that they in Europe, they basically haven't been even selling cigars to their own customers. A Habanos retailer means you only carry Cuban cigars. It's a franchise. You're not allowed to carry anything, but well, these guys for the past couple of years had no cigars to sell. Some of them went out of business because there's no cigars on their shelves. They just can't do it. Yeah. Some of them started up new again. And they went in and brought in Cuban cigars, not as a Habanos dealer, but they took in Cuban cigars and New World cigars. And as time has gone on, they're saying it could be as much as 50-50 now in Europe, that 50% is New World, which means cigars from the New World, United States, uh, cigars penetrating in there. And one company looks at another company. You see a press release. Oh, congratulations to Brand X. They have a new direct importer in Germany or in England, and this is who they have. And they see that and say, oh, I better get my place Precisely. Of, of what's happening. There. So, uh, you know, part of that is monkey see, monkey do. But also their customers also just like the um, ones you're trying to get in the United States. 
Um, we have just gone through a cigar boom. There's no doubt about it. The biggest one ever, by the way, bigger than the 1990s that everybody talks about because the import numbers were actually larger um, than they were before. And with that, always, like anything else, a good stock even comes down too. The already comes down happened. It happened in Q1 already this year. I'm hearing from them from many big manufacturers. Uh, we talk with each other and they say, because they know I, I look at the stats and the numbers that go, I can tell you what's certainly happening with Two Guys Smoke Shop uh, and where the numbers are at that point. I can see online. I can see distribution numbers because I have a, a distribution company also. So here's what I'm doing because I share my information. They share their information with me, which I'm not going to give their information out. For sure. But the, the slowdown happened without naming names. They're all feeling it. Big players see it. And should I be worried about it? Well, if you have ramped up production dramatically because everybody's placing larger orders, and that's what happens also, that you know you ordered 10 boxes of cigars, you only got five. Two months later, you got four of the five. After that happens a couple of times, you order 10. You don't order five, but you only want five. And what's going to happen is next month, he ordered 10, he's going to get 10. And the light bulb should go off at that moment. Oh, my God. I ordered 10 and yeah. I bought 10. Let me stop ordering 10 there because was, I'm going to get what I asked for. There was actually a rep, who I won't name, that mentioned that to Dan and said, you'll know when the boom is ordered when you get everything you ordered. You know, and it's and like, yeah. 19, 19, it was November 1997. Two tractor trailers pulled around my store in 1997. I never had a track, a tractor trailer pull around the building. I'm, I'm only just a retail store, a yeah. tractor trailer, two of them. And I go, what the hell is this? <laughs> and we have your order. And oh my God, it was like so much stuff. I couldn't believe what, what ended up happening. I go, okay, that was the day it ended. And it happened to everybody. They started fulfilling everybody's back order. So you start looking at that, stop being careful, start really ordering what you're, what you're supposed to order. Um, when you start seeing deals uh, that the manufacturers saying, okay, if you buy so many, we're going to give you this and this. Because the past two years, there was none of that. They were just fulfilling orders. And why give you a deal? They shouldn't. Oh, yeah. So And they didn't. So deals are starting to come in. Uh, I, I'm excited about the trade show because typically when you're standing there at the trade show, you're kind of obligated to offer some sort of a deal. So uh, maybe deals are going to come because as important as the uh, selling of the product, the buy is is as important or more important sometimes. Uh, so uh, another reason why I'm excited for the trade show coming up. Fantastic. Now, uh, to that same point, uh, one of the things that you know Dan and I have talked about with that as well is do you feel that like FDA maybe played a little bit of a role with maybe some of these companies looking to the European markets as well? Maybe it's one of those things where you know, if FDA starts cracking down, which I know there was a little bit of a delay on some stuff, but it's still an ever looming threat. Do you think that FDA is maybe also playing uh, a little bit of a role in their thought process? Well, um, so we're the, we're the best company country going right now that uh, although FDA does control cigars, like people saying when they control it, no, they already do. Yeah. They have complete control. 
um, and we're hurt the least within the countries. One of the worst things that we have going on is this um, make-believe date of, of 2007 that your cigar brand had to be out before then. Yeah. If that takes effect, most of these brands that we know and love are gone. So we certainly don't want to see that end up happening uh, as much as we don't have to do plain paper packaging and we don't have to do these ridiculously uh, lying um, warning labels on the package that isn't true. Yeah, We don't have to do it. But what we will have to do maybe is not have these brands, which means just old brands will exist. Then these newer manufacturers, brand owners, have no other place to go but there. So you better, uh, it's a good insurance policy to at least have your brand known in other countries. You don't have to give them the lion's share of supply or anything, but have those people know that that cigar exists. For sure. And um, and you're seeing the European companies, um, a few different German companies came in the industry last year. And seeing some of these uh, cigar brands that were only for Europe starting to come back or somebody who made a brand for Europe only. And um, Roma Crafts, a good example of that, some of their product was made just for uh, Europe. Well, it was made just for Europe because they were in big, one of the ones who was going to be in big trouble too. So they were smart and they got their stuff there. But eventually they started moving some of the product in there so we can, we're able to get that product in here too. So you can play on, on both fields. Uh, I, I don't know a lot about it. I've actually never got, gone to their trade show, and nor have I ever sold to another country yet. But I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm certainly interested to see what happens because we all go through different economic things. If the, uh, if the bottom falls out of our economy, which is a, a good bet right now that that's happening, um, maybe it's not so bad in England or Germany or Italy or whatever. No, that's a valid point. And, you know, you're right. I mean, with gas prices, <laughs> gas prices being what they are right now, you know, you're going to see the luxuries kind of getting hit, you know, the alcohol and tobacco and, you know, various yeah. things like that. You're going to see people spending less on that stuff, which I know when you and I were at TPE, you know, one of the things that you were talking about there is that, um, uh, it's going to be that much more important for manufacturers to be putting out more budget-friendly cigars and not so much the $18, $20, cigars. And at the same time, they're all complaining uh, that the, their cost of raw tobacco has gone up dramatically, their cost of the boxes. Holy God, i just coming back from a project I've been working on for a long time. We'll introduce at the trade show. Uh, this has been going on for a long, long time. Uh, the box maker, oh, my God, uh, we're talking more than double the price. Uh, the bands, more than double the price. We know the shipping costs four times the cost of the shipping. And here we are already based a price that we had in mind where we we're going to price it. And I don't think we can be at that price. You know, yeah. and we haven't even come up with the product. Other manufacturers telling me, Dave, I don't want to go up again, but... Did you see the price of this and this and this? I'm going to have no choice. And as a retailer, to be honest with you, a price increase is not a bad thing because I carry a lot of product. And when the price goes up, the existing product that I'm sitting on goes up automatically with it. So I've actually made money 
when a price increase happens. Um, but in this uh, case, I tell them as my friend, um, I'd eat it if I were you the best you can because the, the next price increase is going to make that guy look at his $8 cigar that now is $9, and he looks at it, and he says, eh, I don't want to go $9, and he starts looking around the store, and he finds a 7 or $8 cigar that he likes that, listen, it's his budget. It's whatever he can, he can afford. I have the luxury of seeing this with my own eyes, and I tell them, I'm starting to see the person pick the cigar up, put it down, oh, the price went up. I said, you hit it one more time, oh, my God. They're going to run. And I've seen it happen to cigar brands over the years that, that ended up taking price increases two in one year, and then the brand disappears. It was priced out. If you try to put that monkey back in the in the box after, forget about it. Yeah. It's gone. Well, hopefully everybody can, uh, you know, ride this out. I mean, you yeah. know, I don't know how much longer we're going to deal with it, but I know, uh, I know our gas here at least keeps going up and up and up and I know other places, and I know fuel is just one component of the whole whole pie. But you know, that it's a big, is, that's it's a big what, one. That's what, it, it's so big because it affects everything. Yeah. The price of the the um, diesel gas for the tractors that are in the in the fields is so dramatic. That's what's raising the price of the raw tobacco. And then to get it to them, and then they get it. The price has gone up, and it trickles all the way through. And listen. The farmer is making money and the and the cigar maker is making money off of that raw tobacco. And then it goes to the next level and they're making money the, to people rolling the cigars. And then they're sending it to me and we're making money off that. So it's compounded. That number gets compounded. And turn, what may start off as a few pennies turns into a dollar. Yeah. And a couple of times a year, that cigar actually gets priced out of the market. And, uh, you know, looking at it, the 42 cents S chip, doesn't help either no. because that that's another thing that ends up happening and a, and a great thing that happens when it comes to uh, other countries is they don't have to pay that 42 cents and 42 cents on every single cigar where that adds up because that's compounded also oh for sure so, i mean you know you're yeah. talking on a box of 20 cigars you're talking give or take um just under 10 bucks i mean yeah you know and when you're shipping in you know hundreds that's of- to the importer yeah, that goes to the importer. Now that importer goes and sells it to the retailer, and the retailer now sells it to the consumer. So th- that's cost of goods. It's part of the cost of goods. Uh, just like you, you mentioned, Dan, that's paying ten percent whether he sells that cigar or not. Precisely. So you know you get a ten dollar cigar, and the ten dollar cigar costs him eleven dollars. Yep. Before he even sold it. So now his cost of goods becomes eleven dollars. Now how are you going to mock that eleven dollars up? Yeah. Uh, well, exactly. It, it gets a lot harder and harder as it goes. So, well, interesting. Well, at this point, I think we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw it over to our man Broccoli Rob for the final third Friday uh, pairing. He's been doing um, whiskey and cigar, or well, drink and cigar pairings, I should say, because last week I think it was a cream soda and a cigar. So It was. Yeah, yeah so this, this week we're going to throw it over to Broccoli and see what he and Isaiah have. It's time for Final Third Friday with my man, Broccoli Rob. Hey guys, Rob here, Final Third. And I'm Isaiah. And we're here doing our Final Third pairing this week. And this week we're going to be doing the 
Murcielago, the Rabito size from Espinosa. And we've got fucking good coffee. We got our own uh, lounge blend today. It's the African espresso roast that, that he did for us. Yeah. Yeah, really great coffee. We're doing it iced today. Yeah. Um, we found that the iced version for this cigar was absolutely perfect. Um, so if you need to get it, get any of this coffee, just give me a call or, or message me, and I can get you a bag of this, 18 bucks a bag. Uh, we don't mind shipping it, so just let us know if you want to try it. Yeah, let's dip into the cigar. Okay. So right off the cold draw, it is it is it is hay. It's that sweet thing, and uh, when you when you just smell it at the foot, you get that barnyard that yeah. that nice dark cigar manure manure. It's the manure side of barnyard, not just hay. Yeah, which but when is you're great. smoking a dark cigar, you smell that up front. You, yep, it's gonna be a good one. You know, it's it it gonna sure. be a good one. Yeah. And really, once you get in, and we're already lit up, um, once you get into that first third, we get a lot of dark chocolatey notes, that hay. What was the other note we were getting in there, too? It was the... Um, well, it lights you up with red pepper on yeah, the Yeah, on the retro hell, you get, like, beginning, you get a little bit of black pepper, and then it just kicks into that cayenne pepper. Yeah. Super nice. But then once you start pairing with the coffee... Yeah, the coffee's a different story. So the pairings before have been very complimentary. These are more accentuating flavors. So you pair it with the coffee, you're getting dark chocolate, you're getting that nutty thing, and they are just boosting each other up. Yeah, and when you drink this coffee, especially iced, the nuttiness just pops really hard. Yeah. And it's all the nuttiness. Deep, dark, rich coffee, but also the dark, you know, bitter co- um, chocolate. Yeah. But then the nuttiness pops through. Together, it just balances both, le- both of them very nicely. And this first third that we were smoking, it just stayed very true. The pepper, when you're drinking, knocks down quite a bit, mm-hmm. but it's still very present, and it's just a great pairing. Yeah. So getting in the second third. Yeah, that that dark chocolate stay, staying all the way through, but it's like a dark chocolate that's so like that has such a high count of cacao that there's almost that cherry thing going on. Mm-hmm. So it's like a dark cherry, uh, dark chocolate, and there's also a an umami thing that, yeah. that there. It's Almost mushroom, but don't let not that quite. put you off. Right, yeah. not quite. Yeah, yeah. It's just that earthiness that's kind of in that world there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah when, I, when I go to the coffee after taking a puff, the nuttiness of the coffee just pops even higher to, yeah. the, to the beginning of your throat. And it's just really, really nice pairing there. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, on, on the retro hail there, it, after you've had the coffee, the red pepper just dies off. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny. I haven't had one that did this uh, like like this pairing does for me. But you'll retrohale, and then like a minute later, it kind of starts building in your nose. Yep, you get that and pepper later. it's a later. great experience. It is, it is. Which is 100% the coffee bringing that down yeah. for sure. Yeah. And as we and we've already smoked this, so as we got to the final third, it, it continued with that dark chocolate, but the nuttiness was very pronounced in the almonds. Almond yeah. realm. This is like toasted almonds. Toasted almonds, and it was really nice. And really, all the all the coffee did with that was it just intensified the almond note. Mm-hmm. Um, very very good with that. But honestly, what I ended up getting now into that final third is chocolate covered almonds. Yeah, dark chocolate covered almonds. Yeah, and it's just it really makes the cigar more complex, if you want to say it that way. 
um, but it just brings that chocolatiness out of the coffee that you weren't getting in the first and second third as much. Yeah, and the other thing uh, that, that showed, showed up in the final third for me was like a yeasty bread note. I think that umami, that umami almost mushroomy thing turned into yeasty bread. Yeah. I was thinking more along the lines of like a pizza dough or something like that. Or Absolutely, I think you yeah. would even said Italian bread at one point. Yeah, like an Italian type bread, not like a... Uh, not like a white bread or a wheat bread or yeah. sourdough. It's just more of a doughy bread. Yeah. yeah, but very high on that savory note. Yeah. And then on the retro hail in the final third, it, that dark chocolate was there, but that that uh, that red pepper, it kind of turned a little minty for me. So I kind of associated that as like a peppermint patty almost. So it was like mint dark chocolate, and that was, that was awesome. Yeah. One thing also I noticed when we got to the end of the final third, was the nuttiness of the almond kind of it was still there somewhat but it turned into more peanutty yeah so the nut the nut transitions in this one was really nice especially with that coffee yeah so yeah i mean that's pretty much what we got out of the cigar um and the pairing great pairing again if you want some of this reach out to me i can definitely set you up um also if you can't get the cigar where you are let me know i can set you up with a a combo if you would like me to ship that to you or just stop in here at Final Third, and we can help you out. So Yeah, please come in. Uh, try the pairing. We run specials on the pairings. Yeah. So uh, you'll get a deal if you get the Mercy Lago Rubito and, and a coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Rob. And I'm Isaiah. And you can follow me on Instagram at Final Third Cigar. And if you'd like to see the full-length video of this, uh, we're going to be putting out a full-length video on our website. Go to FinalThirdCigar.com. Click on the YouTube um, tab at the top, and you can see all the video pairings we've done. Yeah, and check me out on Instagram at the Whiskey Pastor. Awesome, man. Well, thanks. Well, all right, they're getting their uh, sea legs underneath them doing this segment. I know it's been a little bit of a little bit of a process. Uh, when I was out in Indianapolis the other week, I got to see their setup, and he invested in some microphones and stuff to help out with his audio and and everything. So he's he's trying to make it a good segment. So I saw you. Uh, you went with your dad. Yep. Uh, to the races, and uh, at nighttime, you had a cigar with your dad. Sure did. And. I'll tell you, we do uh, something at Two Guys Smoke Shop every year. It's been going on now, I believe, 12 years. Uh, It's a father and son cigar dinner that we do the night before Father's Day every year. And it started off um, with my dad coming to visit me at the cigar shop on Sundays. And my father was not a cigar smoker, but every Sunday he would come up and sit in the lounge with me and I had a cigar with him. And it was a certain cigar that that he liked. Uh, and I put them all aside for him and I was starting to get low on that cigar. I'm down to my last box. And I told him I'm down to my last box. What are you going to do? And he says, well, when they're gone, that's it. They're gone. I'm done. And I said, Oh, I'll figure something out. And we had our cigar together and, uh, he worked at our, um, store in Massachusetts at the time. We had just opened New Hampshire and we had an obligation of some time left on the lease at that location. So uh, as we're getting ready to close that out, he'd be helping out uh, over there. Um, He had the cigar with me on a Sunday and um, on Wednesday uh, he went, he was in the store and he fell to the ground and uh, my brother ran over to him and said, dad, what's the matter? And he said, 
Jeez, I just got so dizzy all of a sudden. He closed his eyes and he died. Oh, jeez. An aneurysm. Yeah, an aneurysm blew in his stomach and he bled out and he just died there. And the next Sunday came and my dad wasn't there to have a cigar with him. And I quickly realized how important that cigar was that I had with him. And I invented this father and son cigar dinner. And I tell the people that go to it, we sell tickets by the twos and say, you know, come with your dad. Or in some cases, um, the son buys a ticket, brings his dad, or the dad buys a ticket, brings a son or daughter. Um, and um, we get together and we bring a manufacturer in every year with their son or daughter or father. And uh, it's a different manufacturer every year. And it's, it's not a big selling event or anything like that. We get up and we tell a couple of stories and we say something about the cigar. And then we say, okay, you're with him. Enjoy your dad today. It's Father's Day tomorrow. We're going to leave you alone. And that's it. And these tickets quickly, quickly sell when we do it. And the people that go tend to go year after year. They look forward to it. And it's very, very important. I tell this story, uh, especially on podcasts and stuff, if case another Uh, another retailer is listening, I urge you to do it because of all the events, and I do a lot of big events, it's the most heartwarming, feel-good event that we do. Over time, you know, I tell them someday your dad's not going to be there. Um, Well, what happened was that one of them, the father was there with his son, and um, his son ended up getting in a motorcycle accident later in the year, and the son died. And he had two sons and he was there with both sons. And I took a picture with him and both of the sons uh, the, the, uh, the previous year. And there he was. And he tells me the story of uh, his son that's not here and how important that day was. And um, it's just something special. It's a different. Um, my dad was always my dad and I talked to him, but talking to him over a cigar was a different thing. It wasn't him telling me what I should be doing. Um, it was like two friends being together. And I hope that's what you got out of it. Uh, when, sure. I, when I heard that, that you, you sat in the front yard uh, with your dad and everything, and I'm like, I would give like, both, both arms to do it one more time and uh, enjoy it and treasure it. it it's so important. Um, my daughter goes with me to the, to the father and son dinner. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we're not going to, there's no uh, guarantee in life how long we're going to end up lasting. So uh, enjoy your dad for Father's Day or your son or your daughter uh, if, if you have them here. Um, and you'll, uh, you'll hear a little of that on the Cigar Authority uh, this Saturday. No, that's great. And that, that, uh, it's a really, really nice event that, that you put on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that sounds really wonderful. And, um, I don't know. I have to mention it to him because his birthday is uh, right around Father's Day. So you know, maybe uh, maybe next year we'll have to look into that. So yeah. you never know. So well, fantastic. Well, um, Dave, I have one little bit of housekeeping I need to do here. So if you don't mind, I'm going to hit this. This would normally be the time that I give some information about my monthly cigars, but I've hired that out this week. So take it away. My Monthly Cigars is a premium cigar subscription service. It comes in a variety of different size boxes at affordable prices. Use offer code PULPIT and get free shipping on your first box and 
20% off any items in the online store at MyMonthlyCigars.com. That's offer code PULPIT. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, so uh, I catch a lot of grief. There's another... The thanks. Another new, another good guy in the cigar industry. Nick's Nick's a good guy. Uh, Farking good coffee. Farking good coffee, right there. I was gonna say. Yeah. Guys, got to pick up your uh, your daily press. That's the pulpit coffee. You've had that. I've had it. Have it again. There you go. Fantastic. I know he he keeps shipping up to Barry. I don't know if he's. I don't know if Barry's sharing with all of you guys, but we we, we had it. uh, (laughs) We had it Saturday. Ah, fantastic! Fantastic. Um, well, Dave, I really want to thank you for, uh, taking time out of your day, uh, twice now since, uh, I kind of yes, jacked yes. up the first time we were going to do this and, uh, no, I appreciate you. I'm, being... I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't work out the last time because you got to hear the show of what I talked about and you got to spend extra time with your dad. So I'm happy it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was fine. He was sitting, uh, there at the final third lounge and, uh, uh, Lisa Broccoli's uh, wife was uh, helping him out with uh, trying different whiskeys with a cigar, so he was doing all right. Yeah, he, he was smoke. What did he smoke? He smoked the fifteen oh two Emerald. I don't know if you've ever had that, but he was he was yes, raving I about have, that. Yeah. Uh, all right, good. He was raving about that, and then in the driveway the next night, um, I had the uh, Perdomo Reserve tenth anniversary Maduro, and he had the Aladino Connecticut. So yeah, beautiful. Yep, it was beautiful. A, Good time, but no, seriously, thank you so much for taking time out. I'm really enjoying the uh, 10th or 12th anniversary, 10th anniversary, 12th anniversary uh, uh, Lancero here. It's 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 been pretty good. A little pepper on the retro hail, I'll say that much. I'd like to see yeah, Mr. Well, Donovan thank, do it. Thank Gator for, uh, for attending. I heard him say on the show he may <laughs> attend. He knew who was coming on. He yeah. may attend. Okay, it didn't. I didn't make the cut, but okay, no, Gator. No, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him for a moment. He, All right, he did want to be on with you uh, in the worst possible way, but uh, tonight actually um, he's down in um, his county where he has his newspapers, and they're having a big fundraiser. Um, there's an organization called Backstoppers. I don't know if it's up your way or not, but I know it's real big here in St. Louis. And what it is, it's a organization that raises money and provides financial support for the families of fallen first responders. So police officers, firefighters, you know, EMTs and all that. And um, they've been real big in the St. Louis area. They have an annual uh, Guns and Hoses boxing match uh, the night before Thanksgiving at the uh, arena where the Blues play. And they pack that place out. And I'll tell you, here's a little, here's a little secret. It's the one and only time that you can smoke a cigar in that arena because all those cops and firemen are lighting up. You know, they're getting their cigars and they're lighting up watching the boxing. All right. Guns and hoses, you said. Okay. Yes. Guns and hoses. Yes. Okay. Hoses. You know, so okay. you got the cops and the firemen, you know. Okay. Well, I get it. I thought you said something different. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, he has been working with the um, first responders in his county um, to bring backstoppers to his county to make it available to the first responders in his county, and so they're they're kicking that off tonight, and they're having a big event, and he's doing like a, a fundraiser subscription drive with his newspaper, you know, like portions go to, you know, backstoppers and everything, and because he's been so like involved in that process, he kind of had to be there. So, 
Um, well, I'm glad he did. I'm it, glad it, he did. Great, great. I was going to say, at least it was for a good cause. It wasn't him just like being lazy and not wanting to get up off the couch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is to be honest, half the reason why I had to do that show by myself the other week is because, you know, he was on the couch watching TV. So, Wow. <laughs> I, as, I, as I told you before, I've got caught a couple of times ever doing the show by myself. Wow. Man, that's tough. Ugh. Just talk. Just trying to breathe. To, you need to take a sip. You need to smoke this to let to keep the cigar going. It's just impossible. Well, and you're used to somebody else filling in the dead air, you know. So while you're doing that, like just now, you took a took a puff on your cigar. You know, you're used to somebody else carrying the show while you're doing what you need to do. And when you're by yourself, it's just like you realize just how much dead space there is. And, uh, it, it's just, it's off putting when you're not used to doing that. And, uh, and I had a guest lined up and, you know, life happens. He had to work and I get it, you know, it's no big deal, but, um, I managed, but I don't want to do that again. The show show went on. So hats off to you because you could have bailed out too and said, okay, uh, I'm not going to do the show. I'll just skip this one, but the show must go on, you know? It's as much as I'm. I'm proud of the Cigar Authority. I'm most proud of. We've never missed a show. Yeah. It's in the thirteenth year. There's not one week that ever missed. And shit happens. Uh, you know. But between all of us, somebody was able to do it. Somebody was short or whatever ended up happening. But we we have we managed to do it. I'm, I'm almost looking forward to the day we have to miss it so that the pressure will be off because each time <laughs> now the pressure is even stronger. We got to keep it going. We haven't missed one yet. Still, you know, it's like like the kid in school that never missed a day of school, and he, he gets the flu in the twelfth year in his, in his uh, senior year or something, <laughs> and he wants to go to to school with the flu. You know, so well. And your streak was, uh, you know, uh, you, I know you pre-recorded uh, for Christmas and New Year's this past year because yeah. those fell on Saturdays. So, you know, I yeah. mean, you got to do what you got to do, but. Yeah, I was I was getting sick and tired of the repeat episodes. I mean, there are some, you know, the numbers bore out that there were some people that were listening, but I it wasn't nearly what it would have been if they were, you know, fresh content. And I was tired of that. And I figured, you know what, I, I got to move on. So it was what it was. I put the flag in the sand at that moment. And it's like, okay, this is happening one way or the other. So, yeah. Well, I told, I told Mr. Jonathan as we were walking to our cars on the way home tonight, that I was doing the show, and he says, "Really?" So uh, he was a little jealous. So uh, <laughs> you, you may you, you you may want you may want to hit him up someday uh, when you. Stop. I'd like to get him back on. To be yeah. honest, I would like that very much. I, uh, you know, um, that's the thing. I can start building out the calendar for Fridays since you know it seems like uh, seems like Jeff is going to be at best hit and miss, but that's all right. And to your point, you know, about the show must go on. The worst experience I had, there was one time we recorded a show, and uh, what were we smoking? Um, It was the Rose of Sharon, Southern Draw Rose of Sharon. And I sit down, set everything up, we're getting going, and I just, I feel horrible. And I'm like, I can't smoke this. I'm like, I can't, I can't smoke anything. And I'd smoked it before. So that episode, I I, I, I faked it. Like I was giving flavor, <laughs> I was giving flavor notes off memory. I'm like, I faked it. You know, it was before we were doing the YouTube. So it worked out. You know, I was, I was able to, 
I left where we recorded, hopped on the highway to head home, and on the way home, I had to stop and pull over and throw up on the side of the road. And I had gotten food poisoning from some Thai food earlier that day, uh, and I was a wreck for the next like two days after that. And the uh, I, in fact, that was on a Monday. The episode was coming out, I think, on a Tuesday. And when I got home, I had to edit still, and I didn't even bother. So the next day, I put up a thing like it's going to be late. Came out at like three o'clock on Tuesday afternoon instead of you know being available first thing in the morning. But you know it was it was close, but I pulled it off. But oh man, the typhoon. So you you edit you edit every show. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. not so much now that we're doing the YouTube. To be honest, that has made things a lot easier. Um, before, when it was just the audio, Jeff would, um, he was conscious of the fact that I would go back and I could edit it. And so he, if he would fumble over a word or something like that, he would say, oh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to do that again. And he would just do it again because he knew I would go back and cut. And it was irritating because I'm like, just just make it flow. Just act like it's live. And then I don't have to do this work, you know? And, right. um, but then when we started doing the YouTube and I was recording it as the video, um, I don't do video editing. Like I just video, that's a whole skill set that I don't mess with. So yeah. once, once we started doing that, I'm like, all right, dude, if you screw up, you screw up and we just move on, you know? And so that's, uh, it's made my life a lot easier doing the video. And you, and you, and you get better. Your skill set. You know how to uh, clean up what just what went wrong. And the Cigar Authority is an unedited show. Always has been. It is what it is. And uh, you know, I tell people, God forbid, an emergency thing. You've said something like, "There's no way that can stay there." I should have never said that. We'll go in and take it out if we have to, have to do that. But that's maybe happened two times ever. That yeah. it was a, it was a guess of. I wasn't supposed to say that. My the boss is going to kill me. Yeah, I'm, you know I can't do. Okay. No, and and that happened more frequently when when I was editing the audio more as well. You know, maybe I mean let's be real, Jeff and I we get a little blue with our humor sometimes, and so sometimes maybe it goes a step or two too far to where when we're done, he's like, we really shouldn't have said that, and so then he's like on me about taking this out. Well, now there's really not much in the way of choice. You know, it's like it is what it is, and. You know, so and, I, and the jokes are dad jokes now. Yeah. Oh, God. They're horrible dad <laughs> yeah. jokes. His good housekeeping and red book and country living dad jokes, you know. So that's it. anyway, that's it. well, Dave, thank you so much for taking time out. I really, truly do appreciate it. And uh, I wish uh, you a good evening. Thank you. I don't have to uh, listen to the show. I don't miss it. And uh, I, I just heard this one, so I, I, I have the day off. I was gonna say you can time. you can you still, <laughs> still download it if you don't mind, but you know <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> well, guys, this has been. A, oh wait, what am I doing? I'm on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit, and Jeff's on there as at Naked Gator, any KKID Gator. Um, we're also on Facebook where we have the Cigar Pulpit Parishioners Group. Uh, Twitter, where I don't really do much of anything, but, you know, you, you never know. Um, obviously, YouTube for now. And then, guys, we need your calls for the Ask the Boys hotline. I've got, I think, one call in the queue for, for Tuesday's show. So make sure you call the number, area code 863-874-0000. I had somebody tell me that I needed to slow that down. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Dave, where can everybody follow you guys? Uh, com, and uh, we're on all those other places also, but it's going to be far and few between. I, I urge them to get a podcast and download the podcast because we're going to disappear soon. And when we do, you're going to say whatever happened to them. But um, Barry's working on trying to, to get a feed on the cigarauthority.com somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, so uh, the video portion will be there if we get taken down. But audio is the way to go because if you happen to be watching this, there's, there's nothing to see here. I, yeah, I uh, agree. These fat, these fat <laughs> fingers and, and the fat body to go along with it. There's nothing to see here. Listen, listen to us. Uh, with this terrible accent I have, too, but that's the best you're going to get. There you go. Well, guys, this has been another sermon from the Cigar Pulpit. I'm Nick. I'm Dave. Everybody stay safe and stay smoky. Uh, now we got to stare it out. Yeah, exactly. we got to stare it out. <laughs> uh, let this go. Let this go.